it's been a great morning so far. And presence of God is here, because we're here, and we've carried him here with us, but he was here anyway. But it's so good to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's exciting. And this morning I'm going to bring a word, and it's a word we're in the season of like stretching and strengthening. But I'm going to read this morning from Philippians chapter 3, where, God, where Paul's writing, and he's encouraging us to press on. He's encouraging us to press on, but you know to press on we need to be stretched. And he wants to stretch us, not, not stretching isn't a bad thing when God's in it and God's doing the stretching. It's a good thing. So this morning we're going to read for Philippians 3 verses 1 to 14 and I'm just going to share some things that God's been speaking to me about. But it starts, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you to do these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those me- mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us we put no confidence in human effort though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could indeed if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts I have even more I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became... Righteous, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making me right, making us right with himself, depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on, To the pre- I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I, force, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, on Friday here, we had a memorial service to Owen Pearson, who had pressed on. He'd pressed on and he finished his race. And today we are here, and he's there, enjoying his heavenly prize. And he's an encouragement to every one of us. And there's been so many encouragers in the faith. For me personally, I've had a lot of people that have encouraged me to press on. 
But here's a few things that God's been speaking to me about, and, and I'm speaking to myself today as well as to yourself, and I'll try to soften the blows where there might be some blows. But the first thing Paul says in the first few verses is for us to keep on rejoicing. He says, rejoice. And if you read Philippians 4, he says it again, he says, rejoice in all things. Again, I say rejoice. And usually when somebody repeats something and has to tell me a few times, I, I think it must be important when they're repeating it. But Paul says rejoice. And as I think about rejoicing, I think about praise. And I believe God has given us a weapon to use to fight against the enemy. And I believe that weapon is praise. I believe that God has equipped us for every situation and everything that we face. And it's a weapon called praise. And I'm going to be brave this morning and I'm going to say to you that the next time you wake up in the morning, and it's not one of these mornings where you wake up and you go, oh, what a wonderful world it is. But in those days when you wake up and you feel down and you feel low and you feel that the cares of the world are crashing in on you, I want to encourage you to get out your weapon of praise and start praising God. It's a weapon. And sometimes, I mean, I, when I thought about a weapon, I thought of armies that sometimes have to take up their weapons and go to war. And if there's been a peacetime for 50 years, they don't go to the cupboard and pull out the guns that they used 50, 60 years ago and think, oh, I'm sure it'll still be working, it worked back then. No, they constantly clean those weapons. They constantly try them out to make sure that they're just as effective today as they were the last time they used them. And we need to get our praise garments on, church. We need to get them on daily. We need to don't, don't leave them in the, way, in the cupboard for the next wedding or for the next special occasion. Get your garments of praise out. Get them freshly pressed every single day. Because God has given us a garment of praise for a reason. It's our weapon of mass destruction when the trials of life come against us. Do you know, there's power in praise. I read lots of books, lots and lots of books, but there's times I buy a book and I go and take a book out of the library and I think I've read this library book before. Have you ever done that? When you're so excited about this book, you maybe took four out of the library and it's the last one and you get into the first chapter and you think, I've read this book before. But there's two books in my Christian life that have really impacted my life and I know that I've read them and I know what they taught me and one of them was a book called Power and Praise. Power and Praise is true, it's a truth and it's a supernaturally, supernatural God-given weapon that he's given each one of us. He's put his life within us and he's put a song of praise within us. You see what happens is when you wake up in that morning and you've got bad news, terrible news, or maybe your family, everything's upside down, not the life or the way you expected life to be. We need to praise our God. You see, when we start to praise, where focus comes off the situation, the focus then becomes on God and who he is. I remember a time in my life like that, and I, I just picked up my Bible, and I was actually at the end of my tether. When I look back, sometimes we look back on terrible times in our life and we think now, at this age, that was really trivial. But at that time, it was closing in on me and it was awful. And God took me to Psalm 63, in verse 2, and it says, I've seen you in your sanctuary. 
and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. And that day God spoke to me and he says to me, Kathy, I'm on that throne. You need to lift your eyes up and gaze on me. My power and glory is the same today as it was yesterday and it'll be the same forever. And it's that morning, it was honestly, people talk about having these actual moments with God. That's a moment with God that has lasted my whole life since that day where I realize that when I look up at God, when I start to praise God, I start to exalt God. And when I exalt God, there's no limit. I haven't reached the limit of God's greatness yet. But when I start to praise him and I start to focus on him, I see that he's high, he's lifted up, and he's glorious and he's powerful. And the things that I'm facing round about me fade into insignificance. I start to see them for what they are. They don't compare to the greatness of God. They actually don't even t- compare to the God that's living inside me. I can't contain the Holy God, but I've got enough of him inside me to actually realise that the things we face, the troubles, the trials, they fade into significance when we look and see who he is. You see, when we praise God, he's exalted. When we begin to focus on who he is, we change our perspective. Because our perspective becomes his perspective. And you know, as that praise, that spirit of God within you rises up, he lifts you up. So you're no longer here, surrounded with all the trials and all the pressures. You're actually above them. Because he's lifted you up to where he is. And you actually see them for what they are. They're tiny compared to the greatness of our God. They're tiny compared to the greatness of God. This week, for a few days, there was a theme on the She Is devotions, and it was turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you know this morning, God wants you to get your weapon of praise. He wants you to take it on every morning, put them on their garments. We don't go out the door in the morning without clothes, do we? So get that garment of praise on. And I'm telling you, sometimes you won't feel like it, but I promise you, if you'll start to praise him, your perspective will change. He'll lift you up. Paul goes on to remind us in the, pas- in the passage of his personal resume. Now, I'm sure, if you're my age, you've met Paul's. The, the old Paul, before he came to Christ, we've all worked with him, haven't we? We've all done life with them. They're so boastful, so confident. They can do everything. They're so much better than the rest of us, minions. But you know, Paul came to that place where he says, I realized that all that's worthless. It's nothing compared to knowing Christ Jesus, to knowing what he's done for me, to know who I am in Christ, not because of anything I've done, not because of anything I've achieved, not because I'm capable of everything. People, you know, people that really actually do loads of research into your brain, we're all really much more capable than what we'll ever achieve in this lifetime because our brains are amazing. But nothing that we've gained, it doesn't really matter the family you were born into. It doesn't matter if they were wealthy, if they were whatever they were. It doesn't really matter if you were even abandoned as a child and you didn't have a family. 
in God, we are who we are in Christ Jesus. We take on his righteousness, so we're righteous. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us because it's his strength inside us. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Last weekend, we celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And it was a great tribute to an amazing woman who has served wholeheartedly our nation and the Commonwealth. But do you know, if you spoke to her, she's got palaces, she's got jewels, she's got servants that make her whatever she wants to eat. She, she always looks impeccable. I would love to have some of her cast-offs. <laughs> maybe not hers, but maybe some of the other family members. But she's got all that, but I'm sure today if she was here, she would say... It doesn't compare to knowing Jesus Christ as my saviour. We've got the greatest treasure that ever could, we could ever have. It's much more than anything we'll achieve or anything we'll go. And it doesn't really matter what our past says about us, where our beginnings were. What matters is that today you're a child of God. You've got Christ living inside of you and he's unstoppable. But secondly, as well as keeping on rejoicing this morning, we need to find our passion again. Do you know, the dictionary says, one of the def definitions says about passion is, it's an intended desire or enthusiasm for something. Now you may think, what does that look like? Well, if you watch the news, or you read newspapers, a few weeks ago, every front page headline, every news headline was about football fans going in planes, boats, automobiles, coaches, any way that they could to a city in Spain to watch their football team. There was no thought of the cost, there was no thought of the time, they just wanted to be there. And what I couldn't believe was, most of them didn't have a ticket. They weren't going to go into the studio and see their team. They were going to some of them sit in a bar down the road and watch it on a screen when they could have sat at home, saved themselves all the hassle, saved themselves all the cost and watched it on their TV. You see, cost didn't matter because it was their team. And they wanted to be where the action was. The fans were headline news. My goodness. Do you know... We never see the church as the headline news, do we? We see, we get, they get a wee bit in a paper if there's a scandal, but we actually never make headline news. And here we are, we've got the greatest treasure in the whole wide world. And I think this morning God's saying, I think we need to find our passion again. That passion for Christ, that passion for the lost, the passion for our families, the passion for the things that he's passionate about. And as I thought about that, I thought, wow. You see, when you're passionate about something, it consumes you. I mean, why? People went 40 hours on a bus to have an afternoon in a city, to sit and watch a football match on a screen to get back in that bus and go 40 hours. Now, I've had a privileged life. I've gone to conferences in London where I've worshipped with 12,000 plus people, broke bread with them, and it was awesome. I actually had the the privilege of going to a church in America to their prayer night on a Wednesday night where there were 16,000 people praying and the church was only about a quarter full. And when we came out, the police were there, blue lights flashing, stopping the traffic to direct us out onto the road. That's passion. A wee bit of passion. Certainly no 100,000 plus. 
passion, but it is passion. But God's saying to us this morning, you need to get your passion. You need to find your passion. And I thought of growing up as a little girl, we lived in a house, most people did probably, we had a coal fire. And every morning, my mum had to clear that fire out. And she'd have the bucket for the ashes and the dust. And then she would set the fire and sometimes she would use paper wrapped up and she would put some sticks and she'd put some, some of the coals for the night before we'd go on it and then the fresh coal and she'd light it. And sometimes it lit, lit the first time. Sometimes the fire caught that first time. Other times to, to take it all back off, start again. Because sometimes there was something missing. We used to have these things. We called them firelighters, I don't know what their real name was, but it was a white block and you cut off two wee squares my mum would use and she'd put them at different bits in the fire and she'd build it up and they helped the fire catch. And I says God's speaking to me when I was preparing this saying, you see the firelighter is the passion. We wonder sometimes how we're tired, how we're so busy, but it's because we haven't, we've lost our passion. And we need to find it. We need to find that little white fire lighter. And you know, you don't need to look too far. Because that fire lighter is the Holy Spirit. And God gave the Holy Spirit to the world when Jesus left. And he's living inside us. Do you know, the last two years have been quite different. And for me, it was quite relaxing. It's as if I did life for two years. Even though I worked through it, it did seem like I did it with my slippers on. <laughs> I've been in my jammies more in the last two years than I've been in my whole life. <laughs> but sometimes it's like we've put the slippers on the Holy Spirit. We know he's in our life, but we've sat him in a wee corner in a chair and it's like the kids saying to their grandparents, look what I can do, look what I can do. And we're saying to him, look what I can do, look what I can do. I can do church, I can do this. I we can have great worship, we can have great prayer. And we've left him sitting there with his slippers on. And it's time to find our passion. It's time to get him back. Back in focus and get him back moving through our lives. Because when we're passionate, we become consumed. When we're actually passionate about Christ, we're passionate about his church. And we're passionate for that world that's outside the church. Outside these walls and outside every wall of every church on the planet, there's a world that's crying out for a spirit-filled, passionate church to come and make the difference. I don't know about you, I want to read headlines that say we're cutting the number of policemen, not because we don't have enough money, but because crime has gone down in our cities. I want to hear that we don't, people are running away from drugs and alcohol, they're not running to them. I want to see in my world streets that are safe for us to walk in and to play. But it needs a passionate church. It needs us to find our passion. Passion looks like going out of your way the way Jesus did when he went through Samaria and met a woman at the well. It looks like stopping like the Good Samaritan with no thought for your own safety or the cost and picking up the broken and the beaten stranger. It's leaving the place of safety and comfort and going after that one that's lost. It's like turning up when you don't feel like it because you're turning up for Jesus. You're turning up for a cause that's greater than any other cause. 
we need to stir up again our passion within us that really wants to see God move, that wants to see our families one for Jesus, that wants to see our towns, our villages, our streets revolutionized and gets us in the front pages, folks. Gets Jesus Christ on the front pages of the news and it'll take passion. As I said this morning, a memory I had was my mum cleaning out the fire. Thank goodness by the time I got married, we had central heating. Because <laughs> it was a, labor- a laborious chore. Um, but as well as rejoicing and finding our passion, Paul goes on to tell us that we need to keep on letting go. We need to let go the things that are holding us back. The things that take our time, the things that distract us, the things that tire you out. Because let's be honest, coming to church on a Sunday morning isn't tiring. It's all the other things that we're filled with life with that make us tired. And like my mum cleaning out the fire, she had a bucket and the ashes went in the bucket. But there were some ashes that were still quite hot for the night before and they went back in the fire and they helped the new coal catch. But God's saying to us, you need to let go. What is it that holds you back? Is it fear? Is it hurts for the past? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it money or the lack of money? Or is it just we become comfortable with the status quo? Is it because we think we're too old? I've heard people saying, oh, I've had my time. I've done that. It's, I'm sitting back now. It's time for the other. It's time for the young ones to take it on. But you know, every single one of us this morning is chosen by God. He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. And we've got a part to play. And I began to think about the football team. In a football team, you have 11 players that go out and play. You've got a bench with subs. And you've got the stand where you've got supporters. But in that stand, there'll be players that are not in. And the subs are not in the thing. You also have old players that played for that team before and it was maybe the best days of their career. So they come back and they've got the VIP. But I believe this morning saying to us, he's inviting us, God's saying, I'm inviting you onto the team. And I don't have a stand, so there's no spectators. You're not here to sit and spectate and see me moving, to see God moving his power. And you're knowing the sub bench because God doesn't have a number limit. He doesn't just need 11 good players in the park and a few in the side. So you're knowing the bench this morning. If you're alive and kicking this morning, you're in the team. And he's saying to you, are you willing to be in the team? Are you willing to go on side? Are you willing to get your praise garments on, exercise your weapon every day? Are you willing to find your passion again? You know, we've all got passion. We're all passionate about our families, aren't we? We're passionate about our husbands, our children. We're all passionate. We all have something we're passionate about. I know some people who are passionate about going to the cinema. That they'll buy a ticket that lets them go. They'll go and watch four or five movies in one day. We all have passions. Those footballers, they were passionate about their team. And God's saying this morning, will you get on side? Will you leave behind you? What is holding you back? No sitting. A few weeks ago, God gave me a word, and I didn't know who the word was for, and I usually wait to see if God reveals that to me, but I'm going to share it this morning. And it is quite similar to something Anne shared 
a few weeks ago, and it says, I'm bringing you into a season of letting go. The Lord says to you, I am with you. I am with you as a father, as a husband, as a brother, and as a friend. My desire for you, says the Lord, is that you would pursue me above all else. He says, I'm bringing you into a new season. It is a season of letting go. A season of letting go fear, anxiety, drama. A season of letting go of the things and the people holding you back from pursuing me with all your heart. The Lord is placing before you a threshold. He's placing before you a threshold of choice. A choice of whether you stay where you are in the sides of the threshold. Remain here and you'll continue to be tossed and pulled in every direction. You'll continue to sway forward and back. And the Lord says, I am with you here, but you are held and entangled with the cords that are tying you to the cares of life. The other choice I'm giving you is to step over the threshold to the other side, to the place of embracing this new season of letting go. Letting go to pursue me, says the Lord. The one who has promised to never leave you or forsake you. The one who loves you unconditionally. The one who can free you from all your cares and all your burdens. But the choice is yours to make. Today will you choose to embrace this season of letting go all things to pursue God above all else. Will you let go and cross over the threshold, leaving behind those things, those people who are holding you back from full freedom to life in me? You know, this morning, God's asking us all, are we going to cross the threshold? Are we going to go from being in the stand watching or in the bench sitting waiting for our turn, which might never come? Don't you feel sorry for the players that just don't make the living and they're on the bench? He's saying to you this morning, will you cross over the threshold? Will you leave all the things that are behind us? Will you pursue him this morning? Will you pursue him? And pursuing him, that's how we get our desire. That's how we get our passion back. That's how we learn to keep praising in every situation. God is asking us this morning, shake off the tiredness. Shake off the apathy. If you're like some people I know, if you were a football player, when you come home, the boots would go in the back of the cupboard, and then when you get called up again, there's old muck caked in the, the stud bits, and you've got to take ages to clean them. But in God's team, he's a professional. And in the professional teams, there's a kit guy who gets the boots and sorts them all and freshens up the strips so that every week when they come to play or come to training, their boots are ready. God's saying your boots this morning, they're ready. They're clean. Will you put them on and will you go on the field? Because God is going to move. Our world needs a move of God like never before. Creation. I've heard creation's crying out for God to move. It's groaning. And it's time for us, the church. You know, we're part of the greatest, probably the biggest organisation in the world. And we've got this treasure within us. And he doesn't want to be put in a safe place so we don't lose him. He's wanting us to let him rise up within us and move out. So this morning, will you just stand with me while we pray? But this morning... are just going to play quietly but let's in these next few seconds just take what we've heard and say God make me a vessel 
that's all he's asking. Not a vessel that's only got one opening where his spirit comes in and it stays here, but a vessel that he flows through. And he wants to fill us this morning with some new wine. And he wants us to find that passion again. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are here. And I thank you that you're so faithful, you're so gracious. I thank you, Father God, that you don't ask us to go and do great things for you in our own. But God, you've called us and you've filled us and you live inside of us. And you're just asking us to be faithful, to show up, Father God, to take what you place within us of your life and give it out, Father God. I pray for everyone here this morning. I pray, Father God, that you would just meet them where they are, Lord, and reveal your will to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.